Hello, and welcome to The Backstory, a show where we go through your history to show how elements of your history can propel you actually to your destiny. We believe the, des- the your backstory is so important to understand instead of looking at how you arrived, but what certain experience may have helped you get there. I'm your host, Cheryl Hatwood, and I too have a backstory of sexual and domestic violence and uh, abuses of drug and alcohol. And today we're going to talk with Marissa Sesluck, who's going to talk to us about being a survivor of sexual violence and what she has used to, to overcome and how she has defined success today and what she's doing today. So I'm going to bring in Marissa. Welcome to the back. Thank so you. Pleasure, pleasure having you. Pleasure uh, having you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Where where are you now? What area? What state? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, wonderful. Well, welcome yes. from Charlotte, from New York to Charlotte. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I just want the audience to get to know you a little bit. Just give us, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and then we'll, you know, we'll journey into your backstory. Yeah, I'm Marissa Chesluck. I am the chief fire starter of MWC Coaching, which is a leadership and executive coaching consultant uh, firm. And I am a mom. I have a four-year-old daughter. I am a, I also have a fur baby. His name is Sully. He's an 11-year-old rescue pup. And I'm also a wife and a friend and daughter. And um, I am also a coach. And that's how I show up and present in the world. And I think when I share some of my story, you'll understand a little bit about why I do that. I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go because I, I had a little pre-talk with you before. And I, I just I admire your journey and, and your strength and, and your courage. So with Thank that, you. can we back up now and get just tell us a little bit about the backstory, what happened to you and how how that had impacted you? Yeah. So a big part of my story is that I'm a survivor of sexual violence. And when I look at that story, a lot of that for so long, I spent in that place of being a victim and not seeing myself as a survivor and not seeing that I had a choice and how I got to view that. And so um, that is a big part of who I am. And through a lot of mental health Um, therapy and some coaching and just working on myself, a lot of self-awareness, I've come to this place where I realized that I get to decide how I use this experience. Um, This experience happened to me and I get to choose how I want to use it. And so um, a big part of that is that in my work now, I want to create safe spaces a big part of what I have realized on my journey is that um, for so long, I didn't think I had a voice. And that has been really challenging for me. And what I have realized in recent months, recent years, is that I do have a voice. I do have a voice. And what happened was I had chosen in my infinite wisdom, to Mm -hmm. not use my voice until I was safe. And so that is why I'm so passionate now about creating those safe spaces um, for people to use their voice and learn how to use their voice and tell their story and stand in their truths. 
That is so empowering. And I, I love what you said about um, life, whatever happens to you, it's not really what happens to you. It's how you respond to that. And you decided to take charge of your life and, you know, what you did with it. So take me through what you did to uh, have your mindset shift. What was your turning point? What did you use to create um, a different you? What experience? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a big part of that was about nine years ago, I decided to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. And part of that is because I was an endurance athlete and I've always been a goal getter. I've been a goal setter and goal getter. And um, I needed a new goal. I had done a lot of things. I had run some half marathons. I'd done a couple marathons. I'd done a half Ironman. And I'm like, I need a new challenge. I need a new goal. And when I did that, I asked for my friends and family to write me letters and send me cards that I could take with me on that journey. And what I realized along that way is a lot of different things. Um, One is that it's about the journey and it's about the experience and about who we're becoming. Uh, I spent eight days on that mountain and um, I only spent about 20 minutes at the summit of that mountain. So we spent six days climbing to the top and then two days down to the bottom. And what I realized is that the majority of that experience was about the journey. And um, too often we focus on the outcome rather than who we are becoming. And so in that moment, I realized that I wanted to focus on this vision of who I wanted to become, the woman that I wanted to become the human being that I wanted to become, um, the leader that I wanted to become. I just, I just decided that that was, that was more important about than than everything else. Um, And also I think the summit also gave me some perspective of like how far I had come, especially in my own journey, Um, not only on the mountain, but just also from this place of victim to, I I want to be a survivor I want to be a thriver. And so um, recognizing that I had the power to do that and the power inside of me, the fire inside of me to do that. That is, uh, I can just imagine that I was journeying with you as you were speaking and I can just, I can just imagine how breathtaking it was. And as I said, you're very courageous. I don't think I could ever climb a mountain, but I, I, I believe it's very symbolic of your journey and how you addressed it, and and found, I found the analogy of of uh, in comparison to your life. I, I think you ought to be commended uh, for mm-hmm. continuing and um, and not letting your past define you know how far your limited view of yourself. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think the other thing that I learned on that mountain is that it's all about mindset. You know, people always say, like, how could you do, how would you, how could you climb 19,341 feet into the <laughs> air? Um, and I'm like, you know what? Yes, it was a physical feat. And it was also a mental feat. It was also a mental shift. I had to dig deep. I had to dig into those deep, dark places within my soul um, and into my being, those places that had been, that were there because of what I experienced. So talk, talk, talk a little bit more about that. Like what, what kind of questions were you asking yourself 
and that you had to reconcile on the way up as well. Yeah. Part of it was, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And I think that's a question that we all ask anytime that we're doing something really hard. Like, am I good enough to do this? Am I capable of doing this? And so in that moment, I had to really tell myself, yes, you can do this. Yes, you are powerful. Yes, you are strong and courageous. And yes, you can do this. And I think it's also going back to that, who am I? Like, And I think anytime you're doing something really hard, whether it's um, climbing a mountain or facing someone that has victimized you or that has challenged you, anytime you're doing that, you have to really dig deep and ask, who am I? Who do I want to be? And it was really in that moment that I that I did that dig deeping or that digging deep um, and really figuring out who I wanted to be. And I wanted to be someone that was courageous and someone that didn't shy away from big challenges and that went after the things in life that I was craving and wanting. And so it's scary for sure. And it was really empowering and enlightening, but I think it's, yeah, all of the, I call it mind drama. All Mm -hmm. of that mind drama comes up um, when you're in those experiences that are challenging you and pushing you outside of your comfort zone. Well, you, you did it. You did it. And that, that I'm sure that experience was able to help you help others um, based on the path you're on. So fast forward to today, how have you used your experience to help others and how? Yeah, a couple of different ways. One is that I I tell people all the time, I believe in you. And sometimes when I work with clients, they don't fully believe that for themselves. And part of what, you know, on the mountain, I had a group, I had a guide, I had a group of people that were climbing with me. I also had a guide. And throughout that entire journey, Those people were standing with me in solidarity and saying, we believe in you. We believe that you can do this. And so often we don't have those people on our journey that are saying that. And so when I'm working with people um, from a coaching perspective, I will often tell them, you know, I believe in you. And until you believe in yourself, you can lean on that fact that I believe in you. Um, But helping people to do that. I also am very passionate about creating safe spaces. I didn't have that. I didn't have that for so long. And first, that starts first and foremost with creating a safe space so that you feel safe with yourself. And so oftentimes that that is, that's the fundamental, that's the first relationship that you really have to work on is creating that safety within yourself. And so, um, and then you can, you know, start to use that. But so I am really passionate about creating safe spaces for people to be able to tell their truths and to tell their stories. And so sometimes they don't even know what's inside of them. Um, And I call myself the chief fire starter because I love watching people light up when they start to tell their stories and start to figure out what's inside of them. And seeing that flame, seeing that fire just come to life is so powerful. Um, So I'm really passionate about that as well. And then just also creating spaces where People can celebrate those successes along the journey. So oftentimes we forget, so many times we forget to do that. We forget to celebrate along the journey. And so just creating a place for people to do that as well. No, that's awesome. That That's awesome. And I, I with the, the voice and uh, trying coaching people to find their voice, 
I, I think, well, I say most women um, were taught to, you know, be seen and, you know, and, and not be heard. So we've learned to silence some of our emotions and then coupled with our experiences of, you know, we both have histories where we were told basically or, or experienced uh, something something that degraded us as a person. So that that voice inside of us was silenced. And yeah. once I tapped into that, and, and as you said, it's a mental health, it's a health and it's a mindset change. And once you have a coach that's able to help you bring that out and and it's helping you bring that out, we can't make you do it. You have to they have to come to the awareness of themselves, of, of, of who they were created to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that, you know, every single person on this earth is meant for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't found it, it's, it's because you haven't identified what brings oxygen, which gives you oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, what the work you're doing with women, I, I think is, is, is going to be very helpful and it, it's inspiring how y- your spin on your outlook on how you view life is very insightful to how you live. Uh, it's yeah. very authentic. And I can hear that when I'm speaking with you. Can you, you. share with me, you know, I, I like to have every guest give, a, you know, give their mantra in life and then explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, my mantra is success isn't the summit. And mm. what I mean by that is that when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, that summit was not guaranteed. And we are not guaranteed anything in life. Um, and so in climbing that, it forced me because I didn't know if I was going to reach the summit. I didn't know if I would make it to the top. I had to focus on the journey and every little step along the way and celebrate every little step along the way, um, putting one step in front of the other. And so I really, that is something that I just really believe deep down in my core success isn't the summit. It's about who you're becoming on your way to that summit. And if you don't reach that summit, that's okay. You are becoming, you are learning, you are growing more and more to what exactly what you just said, becoming the person, the human being that you are designed to be. And that that is the power. That is the transformation that can occur. And that is just watching people, watching myself experience that has just been so amazing and powerful and just overwhelming in a really good way as well. I love your mantra because we cannot measure our success against another's. Everyone's success story will look different, feel different, be at different um, segments throughout their life. And so success is not the summit. That's a great title for a book, Marissa. I think you should. Stay tuned, Cheryl. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, you, I think it, I think you got, you're onto something there. Um, I want to, I want to thank you so much for, you know, spending this time to chat with me and just sharing a little, you know, giving us a little bird's eye view into your life and how you've basically used your spirit of resilience to, you know, just overcome and keep and, 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 and most importantly, helping others. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for creating a space for others to share their story. It's so powerful when we do that. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you to the audience for listening and joining us. If you like this, 
please share with your family and friends. And don't forget to share and subscribe to this channel. And remember, until next time, your past becomes the path which can point you into your purpose. That had occurred from me trying to push them further. And they were so used to being complimented, told they were the best. They didn't want to push, be pushed. And they said, well, we don't think that's a good place because we think that's going to be more challenging for you. And since they're the top school in the district, we're just going to leave them alone, even though they're still way behind where the state is saying they should be. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, OK, well, cool. Let me think about it because I wanted to be intentional about where I needed to be. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So that went from that was January, February of last year. The governor signs this new school choice house bill. And what that did was that caused many public school districts to lose millions. And so they came right back to me. Hey, you know, this new bill that got signed. I was like, yeah, because I called the representatives and was sending information about, hey, we know the charters need need funding. I came from that world, totally understand, but you can't take it from the public school. I mean, you take funding from one school to fund another. That doesn't fix the problem. Right. It creates a bigger problem. Apparently, they didn't listen to me um, or, <laughs> or everybody or, or all the other educators in the state that was saying the same thing. So this bill passes. Public schools lost millions. So they came to me and said, hey, your position is new. It's one of the ones we have to cut to to be in line with our budget. So I went in a matter of 30 days, mm -hmm. having the option to go anywhere to now being able to go nowhere. Right. And so that forced me to really say, OK, what now? What am I going to do and how can I continue to make a difference in the lives of people in general? Because education, you know, I'm passionate about education, but I recognize that th some of the things that I was saying that people were questioning were the same things that were being echoed by the top thought leaders in the field. So when I would listen to these people like Bill Daggett and go to the conference called Model Schools and other conferences, these top people are saying the exact same thing right. I'm saying. And so my wife was like, well, the problem is the people you're with have a lake view and you have an ocean view and an ocean message. I like yeah. that. <laughs> and so I was like, that's true. But yeah. As an educator, you try to pull people along. And so I had to figure out what was my next move. And my next move was to really ignite people in leadership because I started to recognize leadership is leadership. And when leaders get into this place of being busy, that they get scattered and it's hard to focus. They try to do too many things. They try to jump through hoops to win their team and spend more time jumping through the hoops than actually leading. And so I saw this imbalance. I believe you definitely have to love and care for people. That's a must because people are your greatest asset. But if you don't actually produce results and accomplish the vision of why you're there, then you're nothing more than a social club. Mm 
And so I've <laughs> seen people do the social club thing and not produce results. But then I've also seen people so focused on results that they become such dictators that they forget about the humanity and the care for people. So it's like, so I saw that and I saw that missing in school systems. I saw that imbalance. And then I saw it in businesses. And I saw people, leaders just trying to be everything to everyone and trying to be everywhere and still trying to produce. And so so what I thought, so what I decided to do was to take a leap of faith and say, hey, I can help leaders, these busy leaders, Mm -hmm. move from scattered exhaustion to have a more energized place of focus where they don't have to be everything to everyone. They can produce results. They can still care for people. And it doesn't have to be their entire life where they're working at home, working on weekends and doing all of that because been there, done that. And so, um, so it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't. It's something gives right No, I, the integrity of your, um, passion to, uh, education really sells. I can see it. It, It's the thread of everything in your story. And I'm, I'm sure that there's success in there with your igniter champion leaders. Can you tell me a little bit about the demographic of who you serve are most of the people in your class or in your organization that you help, are, are they mostly teachers? Are they from different segments of society, public, the public sphere, the private? Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. So most of the people I help are business people. They're small business owners. They either have one to a hundred employees and entrepreneurs, you know, people who have been experienced the same thing I did, because it seems like when jobs get cut, the high performers get cut first because the unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but the dynamic goes, the better you perform, of course, your pay goes up. And then when they have to make cuts, they cut the, the they cut by purely numbers. And right. so, <laughs> so people who are very, who are very skilled and had to experience a cut and who are launching a business but don't know where to start, I help them and I help the small business owners. Um, unfortunately, you know, teachers during this time are so overwhelmed, they can't think about any other training. Um, principals, I'm still, you know, they're the same way. And prior to the pandemic, there were very few principals that really understood the importance of leadership development. And, um, because my program, I tested it out with my team, you know, right. when I was leading a building, because I couldn't be everywhere. If I went to each classroom for 15 minutes, it would take me a month to get through every class. <laughs> so I had to develop leaders. And one of the things that they, one of the teachers told me was, I don't want to learn this. I just want to be a good teacher. I want to lead my team because I was teaching this to teacher leaders And they said, that's all I want to do. And so I said, how can you lead your team if you don't know how to lead? Just because you're a good teacher, that doesn't mean that you automatically know how to let people follow you. And I think that I think that that is uh, fascinating to say the most, because uh, throughout the pandemic, I think it gave us an opportunity to see ourselves 
uh, of where we lack and those that who are aware and where we have to develop more. I know for myself that I used it as an opportunity to, to continue to self-develop because you can see the instability of the marketplace. And at yeah. any time, you you know, you're just a number, as you just said, right? So you mm-hmm. got to take control of your little universes, your the universe that you can control, and then that is yourself. So I just want to wrap up here. I just 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 want to hear what is your mantra in life. My my personal mantra uh-huh. is to pursue purpose with passion. That's that's been my mantra since I was 18 years old. To pursue my life's purpose passionately, to go after it, and so that's caused me to be where I am. No, and, and and it shows like your story is very authentic, and I and I and I really just want to commend you for doing the work with um, where you got your experience and how it compelled you to continue to do something more for others. So education is so important, um, not even education as in an institution, but the education of yourself um, yeah. to develop. So I want to thank you so much, Jamal, for joining us on the show. I'm going to include your contact information. Um, on the podcast. I want to say thank you to the audience for joining us in the backstory. And if you've enjoyed the backstory, please share and subscribe and tell your family and friends to listen. Until next time, always remember your backstory has lessons and thank yourself for the lessons.